Hello and welcome to the Rick and Bubba podcast. Today we interviewed Cliff Sims. He wrote the book Team of Vipers about his 500 extraordinary days in the Trump White House. Uh, we had him on. We discussed uh, some questions that we felt like all of you wanted asked. So uh, enjoy this interview. Give a listen and let us know what you think. Show I've done as president, if you want to know the truth. And you're listening to the Rick and Bubba Show. 35 minutes past the hour. Rick and Bubba back from the broadcast plaza and teleport. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, that uh, liner you just heard from uh, the leader of the free world uh, was set up by a friend of the program, uh, Cliff Sims, uh, when he was part of the team there uh, with the Trump administration. Uh, he uh, has written a book uh, a lot of you have heard about, Team of Vipers, My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House, available wherever books are sold. And, uh, Cliff, you know, uh, 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 hey, that when we got to go to the White House, are we going to get to go back? <laughs> are, we, uh, are we out? I mean, is, I know, uh, they that, still love you guys. Is that, is that over? Is that over? No, I think you definitely get to go back. In fact, when uh, Hope Hicks uh, took a job, uh, she left the White House, went to Fox yeah. uh, to be the communications director. She said she wanted to help the executives over there understand kind of what goes on in middle, middle America. What's middle America about? Because they're out in L.A. And uh, she called me and she said, what was that show that we did where those crazy guys came in the East Room of the White House? Right. And I was, oh, I, they didn't have to say anymore. I said, oh, that's Rick and Bubba. And, yeah, uh, honestly. So, yeah, they still love you over there. I thank you for mentioning us to people associated with, with any coverage of the White House. I'm not mentioning you as much now. <laughs> uh, the, uh, not quite as much. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y- y'all the guys that know who? who what? Oh, no, he's great. Well, I did notice somebody sent me a link. And uh, and it said, uh, Rick with the lead-in said, now Cliff was an acquaintance of the program. <laughs> I said, man, I used to be a friend of the program. No. That's it. Remember, going, there's a, there's a difference, backwards. There's a difference in friend Rick and draws a real line yeah. on the acquaintance <laughs> friend thing. I kind of lump people together right. in the friend column. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so good. So anyway, but uh, we do thank you for, for uh, all of the things that, uh, that you, you know, the coverage you've given the show and the coverage you've given, you know, things that we've been associated with from a, uh, ministry standpoint, and thank you for the the things that you helped us, uh, giving us access to the White House and including us in that. Yeah, of course. Uh, but um, and, and just as background, uh, Cliff has been a friend of the show before yep. mm-hmm. all of this. I guess probably knew you better to begin with, and then I got to know Cliff a little bit better later on, mm-hmm. and then you did hook us up with several things and helped us. Uh, uh, have some access to the president, and we we really appreciate it. Yeah, that was of course, a great. Man. I, I talk about that trip and tell that yeah. story about how he came in, and we had this plan all along. We were going to be last, and I won't take up the segment with that. But Hope Hicks and everybody had another plan, mm-hmm. and we were going to be last because we were taping. And when he come in the door, and you were with him, he said, "Rick and Bubba, doing you first. <laughs> yeah. and he did us first. Yeah, and it didn't matter what everybody had That's planned. Right. He was a man of his word on yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, no, that was that was a great experience. And yeah, Cliff, I guess Cliff started something which is still going called Yellowhammer News. And uh, I guess that's when we got to know each other a little bit. And then you had a tie. I think your family. Uh, was tied to Michael Cat and Sherwood over in, and was that the trip you, where did, there was a trip you went with me on to, I was going to speak somewhere and you went with me. Oh, where, and down in Enterprise. It was Enterprise. Was right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't remember where we went. And you went with me because you had. Yeah, my family's uh, down there. The family, yeah. was, it was Enterprise. I kept thinking it was over in Georgia, but it was actually an Enterprise. And so you and I got to know each other a little bit then. And uh, of course you covered a lot of, you know, when my wife's book came out and we're very kind about all of that. And that's kind of how we started 
developing a, a relationship and, and a friendship. And then because of that, and, and I've said this full disclosure, because we do have a personal relationship with you, uh, you know, I, I called you and said, look, I'm not going to ambush you on the show. Full disclosure, I'm going to tell you some things I'm going to ask you that I think you need to clear up so that people – there's no better way for people to understand where you're coming from than to hear it directly mm-hmm. from yeah. you. Yeah. And when you get on shows and people do sound, you know, we've, we've experienced it too. You go on, everybody says this, we're, what we're going to talk about today. Then you get on, they don't talk about any of that. Right. You know, and then they start hitting you and peppering you with questions. And before you know it, thank you for being with us. And you're like, okay, that wasn't what we talked about. <laughs> you know, and, right. and I'm not saying that's always negative. Nobody's ever been negative with us, but they have said, we're going to talk about this subject. Mm-hmm. Then you get on the air, and they don't ask you any of the questions right. they told you they were going to ask you. So this show is a little more – we got a little more open yeah. format. And I told you, you, ask me whatever you want. Don't yeah. bother me a bit. But what I'm talking about, you can expand on things here without sound bites and cutoffs and, yeah. and all of that. So I think the thing that is on – Unless food comes in, then we might cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> I think the question that everybody wants to know from you, what was your motivation to write this book? Well, one of the things that I noticed was, you know, being inside the White House and having been there when other books were written about us, the Comey book, I mean, go down the list, the Omarosa book, you name it, was that you had kind of what I would say are three types of books. You had your anti-Trump, I'm going to burn the place down books, frankly, a lot of them full of nonsense. Uh, you have your sycophantic, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to the known universe books, which frankly don't tell the whole the whole truth. And then you have these journalist books, which are reliant on secondhand sources, many of whom are unnamed, that you don't know where they're coming from. I wanted to be the first person who wrote a firsthand account of just the truth of what happened. And that was my only real goal uh, going into it. And I felt like we're at a point now where watching the news uh, it's impossible to tell what's true and what's not. And there are people in this country right now that think that Donald Trump worked in cahoots with, with Putin to get elected. They sincerely believe that. They think that we're all Russian agents in there. There are people that think that Donald Trump is the m- biggest racist in the history of the known universe, etc. Uh, and it's all based off of this coverage that uh, you know I had to watch it all day, every day. And so I want to set the record straight on things like that uh, and give you a real picture of what it's like to work in that place. And I think that's what, what I did. Oh, were you a Russian agent? Yeah. <laughs> Is not. the president a Russian actor? <laughs> no, no. I think that, and I say this in the book, like I think the whole thing's nonsense. I think the whole Russia thing is stupid. I mean, I, I, we couldn't collude with the office next door in the <laughs> campaign, <Right. laughs> much less a foreign government on the other side of the world, okay? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's stupid. Yeah, you're right. We've talked about this on the show. There's people that, that, that think he's, like you say, the spawn of Satan, and then there's people that I call they're in the Trump trance, that everything he does is right, right. no matter what. And, and probably the truth lies somewhere in between those mm-hmm. two extremes. Yeah. And uh, there's certainly great things he's done. And you, you that's the thing, I guess. I know why some of the news outlets – why their slant was you must come here and trash Trump or we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and it kind of is lost in the fact that actually in the book, now there's certainly people that don't fare well in the book and yeah. you yourself don't fare well in the mm-hmm. book at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that that needs to be clear. Well, yeah. Cause if I was going to be willing to say the truth about everything else, I better be willing to say the truth about the things that I should have done differently in there. You know, I just, it's been interesting to watch the, the kind of progression of the coverage of this book. Because at first, what happened was the New York Times and Washington Post obtained a copy of the book. They wrote a certain type of story, and it fit very neatly into a narrative that they tend to like to, you know, advance. 
And so people freak out, especially conservatives, like, oh, my gosh, this is another anti-Trump book. Right. Uh, and frankly, Trump hadn't read the book. He saw the coverage of it the way it was. He reacted the way that he did. Then people read the book. And now I'm getting tweeted at from liberals who are furious because I thought I was getting fire and fury in this book. Right. And now it turns out, uh, I mean, Michael Schmirkanish, uh, Republican you know, media guy, says, like, I think you and Trump are in cahoots mm. to try to get more anti-Trump people to read this book. You know, that's why he tweeted about it. And I'm sitting there as... as this all part of your Russian plan, Cliff. Right. right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I never thought about this. So that, Putin now come up with this. Now people believe that Trump is acting mad about it because it may sell more money. Yes, yes. Right. And, it, and it really just comes down to, I mean, how ultimately, what, 50, 75,000 people have read the book at this point. You know, m- more people are listening to this show right now than have read the book. And so people, I find it interesting to watch people base their opinion of the book off of the same news coverage that they know is wrong about everything else. I'll give you a great example. There are headlines everywhere. Donald Trump says Anthony Scaramucci is on drugs. Okay, there's a line in my book where I'm talking to the president. The very next line is, Trump didn't actually think that Mooch was on drugs. It's the equivalent of me saying Rick Burgess is crazy. Well, I don't think Rick Burgess needs to be institutionalized. Right. Right. Uh, maybe he does, but, yeah. but yeah. you know, the point is that they didn't put that very next line. They don't understand that. humor yeah. a lot of times. And pun mm-hmm. and things like that. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, but in this soundbite world we live in, mm-hmm. so they're, people are going to go in the book and whatever their agenda is and pull out That's right. lines and say, well, this is the book. And are you, you saying – you think the president himself 100%. fell victim to that? Would no you? question. There's no question about it. It was a comment. His tweet and his immediate reaction to the book was purely based off of he read a story in the New York Times, saw the media coverage and a couple of TV outlets about it, and had some people inside the White House trying to get him spun up about it. That's it. Have, That's you, it. have you attempted to try to get word to him that, hey, you, you, you need to read the book? Sure, that, that, I, sure, that I'm not yeah. doing what you think I'm doing as far as you're concerned? Yes, yes. Yeah, but, of course. But you, know, you don't know whether that gets there or not. Yeah, I mean, th- this kind of gets at something I talk about in the book, which there are very few people around him who are willing to give him... Everybody there is always picking their battles. And granted, you got to pick your battles in life in, in oh, general, sure. yeah. and of course with the President of the United States. But no one, is, if it doesn't benefit them, is is going to go to him and tell him the truth about not just this, but but... A lot of things. Uh, and so that's one of the things I try to get at in the book is there's just not a lot of people who are giving him advice that is not self-serving. All right, we'll come back. Cliff Sims with us. The book is called Team of Vipers, My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House. We'll ask some more questions. Uh, obviously, uh, there's there's been a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we'll counter talk about, counter lot. We'll talk about that and kind of give you some clarity on what that actually all really means. And we'll continue to talk about the book. Our number is eight six six. We be big. More Rick and Bubba with Cliff Sims right after this. Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba. Listening to the Radio Revolution, Rick and Bubba. We're back nine minutes to the top. Cliff Sims is our guest, author of the book "Team of Vipers: My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House." Uh, a lot of us know that we were just talking about some of the things that involved with technology, and you'll hear some, see some of that in the book as well. Uh, but do you know right now we have another data breach, another one affecting Ooh. emails and passwords? Are you ready for this number, Bubba? Stand by. 
2.2 billion accounts. Hello. Well, let me tell you, when Equifax gets hacked, everybody's on that one, baby. Yes, sir. Uh, that was a good one. That was a dandy. That one got me. So we know we, we got problems, but we, we you got to have protection. The, the most comprehensive protection we can all have, not just with our personal identity, but our wireless devices, is inside LifeLock that is now partnered with Norton Security. Now, certainly, no one can stop all cybercrime. No one can you know view all transactions at all places at all times. However... This combination gives all of us the best protection that is available today, uh, not expensive at all. And if something does happen, God forbid, but if something does, they actually work with you to get it fixed. 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to lifelock.com. Use the promo code Bubba either way. Save 10%. Get protected, then live your life. Also at rickandbubba.com under the sponsors. All right. So, Cliff, we you, you put the book out. Trump sees the reports, as you talked about. He he does a famous Trump tweet. I, 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 <laughs> right. I remember when you uh, you were talking to us about when you first started that sometimes y'all sit there every day when he would come down from the, the living area and you'd be like, what what is he tweeted? Uh, yeah. what, 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 and he would love it. He'd almost look back like how you he would. Yeah. He, got, he got fired up by what he would stir, right? <laughs> no, there's no question. Yeah, uh, there's a scene in the book where he comes down yeah. off the private elevator and it was after he had fired off the tweet about uh, the host of Morning Joe having a facelift. Right. And his first words out of his mouth were, did you see it? <laughs> and I said, Mr. President, I think everybody saw yeah. it. I'm pretty sure everybody saw and it. And now, now he's tweeted about you. Yes. And uh, so that has led to a lawsuit. Yes. Which has led to you with a a, a counter. Tell, tell us what's going yeah, on. Yeah. So uh, essentially, uh, the campaign sued me for, uh, quote unquote, violating a non disclosure agreement. Uh, the book is about my service in the White House. Okay. So you have a private entity, the campaign, suing me, uh, saying that I broke a non disclosure related to my time in government service. Okay. Last thing I want to do is be embroiled in a lawsuit with anybody. I've never sued anybody in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But I have started with a big one. I, I did. Yeah. We're going to do it. Let's go to the President <laughs> right. of the United States. Right. Um, and so we had to, uh, in order to defend myself, countersue saying that um, as a government employee, I, I, I'm not bound by a, a private entity's NDA. Because ultimately I don't work for Donald Trump. I work for the American people. And so you cannot apply this to a government employee. That's the whole premise of the lawsuit. It's not like I'm going to go get Donald Trump and try to get some money out of him. I'm going to try to get it like, no, I just want to be left alone. So they sued me or filed this arbitration claim against me. And so we did that in response. Do, do you think, again, why would he be suing you if the I understand that the book does not reflect well on everybody in the Trump White House, mm-hmm. but for him. He doesn't come out bad in this book at all. Uh, Does but, he but, think it's a bad reflection because, because of the people, of the he's, people hired he's got look bad I, in the book? I think that it ultimately comes down to what I said earlier. He's just his MO, I've been there, you know, I saw it up close and personal. If he feels like somebody punched him, he's gonna punch them back ten thousand times harder. That's just what he does. And so it was kind of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of mentality. I don't like this coverage. I don't like what's being said. This book must be another one of these burn the place down books. Let's go. To, let's go at it. I think that's really the bottom line. Well, let's talk about because I know that you're, you're a Christian and you've, you've talked about that. You know, and that's some of the things that you were disappointed in yourself about how some things that went on. And you realize, hey, I'm kind of compromising mm-hmm. who, who I am. And this mm-hmm. this this kind of pulls people in. Do you think, well, obviously the answer is no, but I want you to clarify it. So you're saying you don't think morally you violated a non-disclosure like 
that you went against let your yes be yes and your no be no? No. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think, the, so the way that people usually frame this question is, did you violate a confidence with the President of the United States that he felt like there's an advisor here who works for me that I should be able to say things knowing that they're never going to get out? And what I would say to that is, if you read this book, I'm not, there are not a bunch of stories in there about Donald Trump where it's like, oh, that's embarrassing, or oh, they, you know, that, whoa, that's behind the scenes on something he probably shouldn't be, you know, whatever. The stories that I tell about him are trying to help people understand the way he ticks. So the stories I tell make a larger point. Um, for instance, you know, one of the things that's been tough about this is I feel like, you know, people have kind of misjudged my motives behind why I'm doing this. No doubt. And I totally understand that. Yeah. They don't, people don't know me from anywhere. Mm. So I, there's a part in the book where uh, Trump has just moved the U.S. Embassy in, in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. We walk back to the, the Oval Office, just outside the Oval Office. You guys saw that TV that's mm. on the wall there. Yeah. And he looks up at the TV, and people are just burning the Middle East down. I mean, it's like they're burning, hanging him in effigy. Yeah. They're shooting at him, stomping on the American flag. And it made me feel kind of embarrassed, kind of like if I saw someone trip on the sidewalk, I would look away because I, when they look around to see if anybody saw it. Like, so this guy's just getting just crucified metaphorically on the, on the TV. His response that I will never forget was, what's next? What are, we, what are we doing next today? And basically made me realize he's getting vilified in the most vile way you could possibly because these people think he's evil. Right. And he let it just kind of go right off his back like water off a duck's back. And I remember that because Donald Trump has a total and complete willingness to be misunderstood. If he feels like he's doing the right thing, he is willing to t endure any amount of criticism. And I remember that, and I didn't think about it necessarily in context of this book until kind of everything happened, but that's kind of how I feel about it. There are going to be people in the country that misjudge my motives behind this, think that I was out to make a quick buck, that think I, I shouldn't have ever done this before. And I, and I get that perspective, and I have to be secure in knowing that I came into this with, with the right motives. And, and whatever any other, anybody else thinks about me, from Donald Trump on down, uh, I just can't let it bother me. Uh, and that don't mean that the ones that bother me are the ones, people that I know who I feel like I, I just wish would give me the benefit of the doubt. You know me. I'm not a liar. I'm not right. a bad guy. Right. Uh, that's the ones that hurt me. It's when it's like, I feel like my friends uh, come after me, you know? Yeah. But. Well, so, so to answer that question, you don't think like morally <clears throat> that you violated anything in any non-disclosure from a spiritual standpoint. I really don't care about the po politics of it or how mm -hmm. the world sees things. Mm -hmm. You as a Christian do not think you violated anything by writing the book. I, I don't. I don't. Because ultimately, I, I think what, what, what we need to be willing to do is tell the truth. Right. And, and I, everything in that book is 100% true as I experienced it. And that's the good. There's some bad. And there's some ugly, including about me. And there are there things, are there specific things I wish I had written differently here? Or I get in the moment, I'm like writing and yeah. you, whatever. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, at its core, I'm proud of what I wrote, and uh, and I think it is it is the truth. Can you hang around one more segment? Yeah, we'll do one more segment, then he's got to catch an airplane. By the way, good luck with that. Yeah, well, have fun with that. <laughs> Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. The views and opinions expressed by the show are not necessarily those of the staff and management of this radio station, but they should be. We're back. Six minutes past. Rick and Bubba from the broadcast plaza. 
Speedy here, the real Greg Burgess, Helmsy, uh, Eddie Van Adler's got Blaze TV for you. Rick and Bubba interns earning their degree in common sense. Daddy calls me Pumpkin, Drops of Jupiter, and Jalen Fruithurst. Welcome back, Bill Bubba Bus. Rick, glad to be here. We have Cliff Sims with us, uh, author of the book Team of Vipers. Um, Cliff, we don't have a lot of time, so I want, I want to get to some of these questions because we want to hear you you say it, you mm-hmm. talk about it. The general perception is that this was negative toward Trump, even by him and people who have handled, you know, are telling him this. Tell us, in your own words, what you think about President Trump, the job he's done, and Mm -hmm. him as president and personally. I think he's a man of extraordinary once-in-a-generation talent and also massive flaws uh, as a human. And uh, I think that uh, from a policy perspective— uh, I th- people ask me, like, I got booed on The View for saying I was proud for working for Trump. And uh, the reason I'm proud is if you look at the policies, you look what the economy's doing. Uh, I-, I know for a fact, having been in there, that the guy really wants to deliver on his promises. He deserves nothing but credit for those things. Um, the-, the things that I wrestled with were more of the, um, you know, the moral side of, uh, how how do you operate in a in a tense environment like that at that level without moralizing uh, compromising your principles? And those are the things in the book where I, I wrestle with. Like personally, my shortfallings were things like you know the president's frustrated by seeing all these leaks and people trashing him, anonymous White House officials trashing right. him, and he calls me in off the Oval Office and says, "Who are these people?" And I start naming my colleagues. And in hindsight, I'm like, there's no honor in dishing on my colleagues like that. And at the time, I justified it by saying, well, it'd be better for the president if these people weren't here. And that's probably true. But really, I did it because it'd be better for me if these people weren't here, because Mm -hmm. these are my rivals internally. And so getting caught up in that kind of rat race kind of thing. But... um, Ultimately, but were they leaking, though? I mean, were oh, yeah. You, you I tell- mean, yeah. I, I didn't lie. That's what I said. Right. Look, I didn't lie about these people. It just wasn't. You're just the way saying maybe your it. motivation should have been different, even though you were justified in the correct answer. The answer was true. I just don't think there's really any circumstance. If there's, it's just not a good look. If Rick is mad about something and gets Adler in the room, and Adler's like, "Well, let me tell you ten things about Speedy that suck." Right. Like you know, like, that's like right. what, there's that, no right. kind of no honor in. There's no honor if you if you <laughs> have for a problem, if you have a problem with somebody, you should have gone to them and say, hey, you know what's that's going, right. Yeah, you, what's going on here is, right. is wrong, and I want you to know, I want you to come in. I've told, I'm gonna tell the president what you're doing, but I'm gonna tell you first. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell him, mm-hmm. and and that. But did you find yourself because like Bubba's talking about, is is it possible to to be in this kind of environment, especially as a person of faith? And and not compromise and and not and not just become part of what you really were probably had to stand yeah. for. I, I think there are, are people like a Mike Pence who I think is the real deal. His faith, I watched it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's he's just a real deal that have risen to that level without compromising. I think those people are so few and far between that I could name them on one hand, hundred percent. And uh, even myself, who I walked in those, those doors with. And, you know, I think a really good foundation and knowing who I was and even I lost myself in some of that. And I think the challenge is um, when it's that cutthroat, when the stakes are that high, uh, every everyone has this kind of hierarchy of moral values and your your number one value becomes winning and you are willing to do anything it takes to win. And that means, from a policy perspective, that means from an internal rivalry perspective, I'm going to kill them before they kill me. I mean, there's a reason Sean Spicer gone, was gone before me. Okay, I was working on that. 
Okay. Right. Then, then, then the day came where somebody was working on me. Right. And there's a day I got, you know, so when you get caught up in that, uh, it's so easy to forget that your identity is not in being a White House staffer or a Trump staffer or a whatever your, your job is. Your identity is in Christ, right. those of us who are Christians. And that's where I lost myself was I let my identity become wrapped up in this whole the game and what I was doing. Yeah. And so that's where kind of that line is. Well, you and I talked about this privately, but but I, I think because I, I want I want to try to get as much clarified today as possible. Mm-hmm. So you said that, and I think that part of the book is is actually healthy to say, look, I got in there and, and, and I, I I was sent there to bring light to darkness. And before I knew it, I was I was part of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's that's a very raw we can all look at parts of our life and go, yeah, I can relate to and that. And it's happened to all of us. It's happened to all of us, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever. But and, and you've been very frank about that in the book. Do you feel like it was your place to out other people, though, for what they were doing? Yeah, and I, I wrestled with that uh, as I, during the writing process. Right. So what do I say about these other people that were there? And ultimately, this book is a snapshot in history. You know, we're not talking about a, a you know, me and my buddies that nobody's ever heard of behind it. This is our government, okay? This is like, if, if, we, if you're not able to say the truth, even when it's negative about people, we would have no history books. Okay, so that's kind of the way I was trying to approach this book is this is a history. This is a snapshot in history of what really took place in here. And some people don't come out great in that, including yourself, including me. But but it's all true. And that was kind of when we talk about a hierarchy of moral values, the truth, I think, won out over. And and there, like I said in the last segment, there are things about the book that in in hindsight I would have written differently or in kind of the, you know, when you're writing and trying to make it interesting and things like that, maybe I, you know, whatever I I could quibble about, maybe I went too far here or there, but like ultimately I just want to tell the truth. And that's what I think I did. What about the question that everybody will ask, would you have written this book if they had not gotten rid of you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Because it's not, I mean, if you read it, it's not a vindictive book. It's not a, like, burn the place down, I want to get back at people for doing me wrong kind of book. Uh, so, no, yeah, I would, totally. You may have covered this because I haven't read the whole book, and that's the reason why I wanted to be clear and just talk about the things that I do know. But did you cover, what was the thing that led to Kelly trying to say, I don't want you here anymore? I think it was ultimately, I, I took it personally at first, but in hindsight, oh, yeah. it what really wasn't personal. Well, the first reaction there in the was, flesh is always to take something Sure, yeah. yeah. But in hindsight, and I kind of walked through this in the last chapter of the book, uh, there were a lot of people who fit my description, which is someone whose relationship with the president preceded his, who, you know, he's a military guy, very hierarchical. Trump's hierarchy is, do I know this person? He doesn't even know, know what our job titles are, you know what I mean? Right, he yeah. just like... And so he would feel like out of the chain of command, Trump would you know, talk to me, things like this. So I think that he chafed at that and with others, not just me, and that ultimately um, he got consumed by the factionalism that he came to fix. I mean, that was part of John Kelly coming in. He was supposed to fix that. He ends up getting consumed by it. All those things combined lead to me being just in another camp, so to speak, than him. Right. And that's when he came in to say, I got to correct some things. He looked as you as one of the things that needed to be corrected, that Trump wasn't you you were not following what he considered to be the chain of command. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, and 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 he was like, "This is what I'm here to fix." And yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change this relationship you have with the president. Yes, yeah. Is that, Cliff, is that I, accurate? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I hear what you're saying. Do you are are you concerned long term that you will be kind of viewed as a kiss and tell kind of guy? No, uh, because, because it, I, I I say that because a lot of times 
people don't want to be around a kiss and tell guy because they feel like anything I say could be yeah, well, you know, thrown well, out. And, and we, we deal with that too, quite sure. frankly, well, again, this in, is, a, in a comical way. There's a little <laughs> bit of a difference between writing a historical account of what happened in the White House versus mm-hmm. me in some random office or me sitting around with, here with you guys or whatever. I think there is a big difference there. And like I said, these are not stories meant to embarrass the president. or There are tons of stories that are just silly, like things I don't want to make act like I left something out of the book that was like some giant, oh my gosh. But I'm saying that there are things that are not in the book for that reason, that mm-hmm. like we're in rooms, things get said, and tempers flare, whatever it may be, and those things are, it should be, people should be able to be comfortable and leave those things in the room. The stories I tell are to help you get inside Trump's hand and understand the way he ticks. And so the story would be, here's a larger point to help you get this. So no, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really worried And I know you got to go, but, but say, say the thing you were talking about, about how the, the, that attitude of winning, he talks about that a lot. And yeah. I, I know all of us are works in progress and whatever, but you, you were saying, and this can be a good thing because mm-hmm. the country has benefited from that, but it can also be a bad thing that, that in his mind, winning is the ultimate goal. Yes. And so, again, we're thinking about, like, for all of us, what is our hierarchy of moral values? And it's a difficult thing to, to realize with, like, as Christians, winning is not our, our highest moral value, that the ends do not always justify the means. And that's part of what I got consumed by was the ends did justify the means, whether it was a staff rivalry or, or you know, and so we, we cheer those things when it's like, well, that's advancing a policy that I support. Uh, but that's not the way that we're supposed to live our lives. Yeah, the Bible yeah. actually spends most of its time on the means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how yeah. do you do things? What mm-hmm. is your motivation? What is the way you go about it? Mm-hmm. You're right. So really, once again, as usual, Jesus is usually counterculture. Yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. right. And yeah. and Trump, you know, uh, people ask me about his faith all all the time. That's I mean, when I came on the show, when I was working mm-hmm. in the White House, and I had to try to thread thread that needle a little yeah. bit because I wouldn't. I was working for for the guy, but uh, ultimately, I think he is a. Uh, he is not a great picture of the Christian faith. He has been a great defender of it yeah. from a policy perspective. I think that's probably and a nutshell. Yeah. yeah, that's a nutshell. That. Yeah, because that's, that's fair. Because I know yeah. you and I had some correspondence when you first got there. Because I was like, all right, we've we've <laughs> sent we've sent one of our guys in. <laughs> you know, this is going to be somebody that's going to have access to him, and and we mm-hmm. would go back and forth on where you where he looked faith wise. And there are people that are presenting. Sadly, there's the Phil Robertsons, there's the whatever, and you go, okay, that's the gospel. Yeah. But then there's also some of this other theology that has had a- access to him. Well, so his faith advisory council, where these people come from? Well, I'll tell you, just like with so much else in Trump world, it came from the TV. He said, if you're on TV, you're at the top of your field, right? Whether you're a journalist or you're whatever, whether you're Rick and Bubba, these guys must be at the top of their field. So he looked on TV and said, who are the, who are the preachers that are on TV? Uh-oh. And as you and I know, a lot of those are not. <laughs> I mean, they're at the top of their field in a manner of speaking, but it ain't the field that we, we're not, you know, um, that's where a lot of those people came from. And there's a whole chapter in the book that talks a lot about the yeah. the faith advisory council and how most of them are concerned with their proximity to power, uh, just like I was, you know. Yeah. Yeah, anytime you see people getting their picture made and behind them is the article on Trump in Playboy, they, 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 <laughs> right. they, they probably haven't looked around before they took the picture. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe a better backdrop. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know thanks, that, Cliff. That's a great and, call. And thanks for, as always, um, giving us an opportunity to have access to the latest thing you have going. The book is out there. It's available everywhere. Read it for yourself. Cliff has taken on, I think, the high points of some of the questions in his own words. And we'll be right back. More Rick and Bubba next. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba.